Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to this week's edition of the Sporting Soul Podcast. I'm Patrick Andrus, and today I'm here with another good friend of mine who is also a college freshman, albeit several hundred miles to the south in Nashville, Tennessee at Vanderbilt. Uh, another close friend of mine, a former Science Olympiad teammate, avid sports fan, soccer, basketball, uh, several other sports, college basketball also. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Maxwell Chen. Hello, Maxwell. Hi there, Patrick. Thanks for having me on the show today. Uh, thank you for coming on. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Maxwell tried to get me to use theme music. That was the theme from the Avengers with people screaming curse words in the background. And I had to veto it. I had to put my foot down. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's good music. It's fun. Yeah. It is, it is music. I will say that. <laughs> it is music. So, Maxwell, you... And everything's bleeped. It's all clean. Oh, it's all clean. <laughs> is, that, is that right? All right. Uh, welcome. You're joining us from here in Sylvania, but you spent this past school year in Nashville, and this you took the, the sporting landscape around Vanderbilt in the city of Nashville, and what is it like there? What sports are popular there, and how is it similar and different from sports here in Toledo? Uh, well, the big thing is that being, you know, kind of a larger city, we actually do have some of the, like, top league teams. So we have the Titans and yeah. the Predators. Yeah. And, I mean, that's about it. So, I mean, you asked about, like, the sporting landscape around Nashville. And for me this year, it was not good. Um. <laughs> You know, the Titans, you know, had a pretty good season, a really decent season for them, and they missed the playoffs. <laughs> so much that. Um, the Predators had gotten to the playoffs, played uh, the Stars, which they should have won, and yeah. they lost. They should have. Right. They lost last year, too, when they should have won. Now, don't even get you started on Vanderbilt basketball. Oh, no. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. I don't think they got started either because – they showed up to their SEC season, you know, nine wins under the belt. How many wins did they get after that? Zero. <laughs> amazing, amazing. And football, they – Football started out promisingly. You know, we, we made the – or we beat Tennessee. We destroyed them, got bowl eligibility from that. And then what did we go and do after that? Lost to Perry Lefevre and Baylor in the Texas Bowl. So – Yes. A year of disappointment, but uh I think we can yep. I think we can do better next year. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move to the NBA where we are fast approaching the NBA finals. And the Raptors last night they defeated the Bucks behind a tour de another tour de force from Kawhi Leonard. And Maxwell, I gotta ask you, is Leonard is it out of sorts to say that Leonard may be the best player in the NBA right now? Hmm. Well, playing right now, LeBron's on vacation, I assume. And KD is, as The Onion reported, using up his sick days before he leaves the company. Yes. So if we, take a, if we consider that, I think Kawhi is probably – he's probably up there. Uh, maybe Giannis will challenge him for that. Probably yes. Steph. Um, but yeah, of the players that are here in the conference finals, 
I mean, his performances probably merit him to be in that number one spot. And I think skill-wise, he's probably uh, close to that uh, conversation anyway. Uh, if it's like leave out LeBron from that, because I mean, we're, not, we're we're in Toledo, Ohio. We're not gonna we're yeah. not gonna have LeBron beat anywhere outside that top one. <laughs> yes. What I want to happen is to see the Bucks win on Saturday, and then Monday, Giannis and Kawhi dueling in the fourth quarter, power versus power, just to see who comes out on top as the best player and the best team. Yeah, I, I think that'd be interesting. But, I mean, the problem would be, like, um, since they wouldn't play the same position, you know, you wouldn't have Kawhi yeah. guarding Giannis, That's hopefully true. at any point from the Raptors' point of view. Yeah. Um, but then from the Bucks' point of view, if Kawhi's hitting threes, then, you know, yeah. Giannis' dunks don't – like, you can get dunks, but if you have that many number of threes, then you're still going to be in the hole. Yes, I think – I think right now I give the edge to Toronto. Right now I give them the edge. Bro, I told you. I told you Toronto is inevitable. Toronto is inevitable, like Thanos. Yes. So one more win, and we could have the NBA Finals played outside of the United States, which is something else, considering, A, where they were, the fact that the Raptors, they spent many years in the stasis either – terrible or mediocre or when they were in the playoffs they would usually lose at the hand of LeBron and B a year ago uh, we weren't sure which direction this franchise was heading but they made a bold move they traded DeRozan and Patel to uh, San Antonio and they got back not only Leonard but also Danny Green who has been a key bench piece so I think Toronto would make that trade any day of the week even if Leonard walks yeah, yeah, I agree with that because when Kawhi came in, you know, I think we thought that maybe he wouldn't be happy there. Maybe he um, – because at the Spurs, he cut a figure of frustration a lot towards the end. And yeah. we didn't know if that was – like, we didn't know if, if he was going to be unhappy in Toronto. And if he was, you know, we wouldn't know how that might affect his performance. But um, if he is unhappy, I don't think he's letting it get to him because he's been phenomenal so far. Yes, Kawhi has he's delivered everything Raptors fans imagined and more. So yeah, I think I think even if he walks after this season, the Raptors would say, um, especially if they get to the finals, they will say, "Well, it was a trade that was worth it because we put ourselves in that position to get there." Yes, and close, but and that's not where we were before. So yes. So let's move on from the court to the pitch. We are now. A week away from the highlight of the club soccer calendar, and that is Europe's Champions League final. Uh, it'll be Tottenham and Liverpool. And you are much more of a soccerologist than I am, as we will get to later in the episode. But what's your take right now on how this final looks to be shaking out? Um, so we've got Liverpool from the red corner, and Taking them on will be Tottenham Hotspur, who really um, are similar to the Raptors in a lot of ways. Their their nickname is just Spurs, and uh, growing out of that nickname, there is a concept in European soccer called being Spursy, uh-huh. where Spurs used to always put themselves in good positions to uh, progress and like maybe even wins things, 
but they would always mess it up at the end. Just like how the Raptors last year were probably supposed to beat the Cavs and they ended up getting swept. And so Tottenham is a team that had never been to the semifinals, let alone the final before this season. And they have a team that's um, really young and they've got a fantastic coach. And yeah. they're just like a team that you play on FIFA and you bring in some player, a few key players, and you really like develop that core. Tottenham's a really interesting project because they started out as a really mediocre team, but they yeah. brought a fantastic coach, a great young core of players. And from that, they've developed into one of like the top teams on the continent. Yeah, I vaguely remember them being like in the middle of the table not that long ago. But yeah. it, it looks like they've had this kind of renaissance. I know yeah, they haven't I mean, won they haven't won a major European trophy since I believe eighty four. They'd be Anderlecht in either the UEFA Cup or the Cup Winners Cup, both of which are now merged into the Europa League. Yeah. And I mean, when I first started watching, um, I heard someone say that uh the Europa League was Tottenham's tournament. Not in the fact that they would win it, more in the fact that they would be in it every year and then get knocked out by a team that has like seven syllables or seven continent consonants in a row yeah. in its name. Like Hedgehog <laughs> Split or Rapid Vienna or somebody like that. Yeah. And like now Sophia. Yeah, now they're they've progressed and it's really a fantastic project to watch. And Liverpool, on the other hand, Liverpool's probably like um the Celtics or the Lakers of uh, soccer, yes. where they were Very traditionally strong. Yeah, Kenny Gale, Kenny Dalglish, you think of Stephen yeah. yeah, so they're. I mean, if you would, if you were to put together their all-time team, you would probably have almost none of them uh, from the modern era because they were just so good so long ago. And I mean, they're one of the teams that a lot of people in England just hate, like the Celtics and the Lakers who've had a lot of success in the past, but they haven't uh, really recently done anything. I mean, the Lakers last won a championship a few years ago, and Liverpool won the Champions League in 2005. Yeah, so, miracle, miracle of this symbol, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's another story altogether. And, yeah, and they've associated been, with that franchise. Yeah, and it's, it's actually interesting in the Champions League final with Liverpool is that uh, you get the feeling that they would rather have traded this Champions League final for the Premier League title. Yeah, because... they were just incredible this year, but they couldn't quite pull the title out. Yeah, it's insane that they were almost record-breakingly good, but they were pretty unlucky to have an even more record-breakingly good team in Manchester City. And I mean, really, they they kind of shot themselves in the foot where they had like a seven-point lead at the top of the table. And they really, I mean, they let it go. They had a lot of draws uh, during one specific time in the season. And it's similar to their 13-14 season when they also tried to uh, beat Man City to the title. And on the last day of the season, they were up 3-0 at Crystal Palace, and they let it slip. They tied that game 3-3. Everybody called it Cristambol. Because it was the reverse of Istanbul. Yeah. That was against AC Milan in 05, right? Yeah, it was. So Liverpool is a team that wants that Premier League trophy probably more than this Champions League trophy because they've won the Champions League more recently. 
than the Premier League, which they've never won in its current format. Yeah, they last won it when it was the European Cup, right? Or no, they won the Premier League when it was like the first division. Oh, oh you're talking about the yeah, the first division. Yeah. It, I think yeah, they won it in the 1990 or 88 or something like that. Yeah. Yes, that was for the end of their dynasty. So I think we will stay on the pitch and move to our next segment, which is a game of soccer word association. So Maxwell has already educated us so far about the footballing teams of the globe. Well, I prepared a list of 20 soccer teams, uh, most notable, but a couple uh, more obscure ones. And we are going to run through the, these 20 teams. And I'm going to name the team, and Maxwell is going to give a word or phrase to describe them. And if he cares to, he can elaborate on a few of them if he wants to. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here we go. Aston Villa. Ooh, Aston Villa. Uh, I'm going to have to go with uh, Pitch Invasion. Um, <laughs> there's recently a game between them and oh I can't remember if it was Queens Park Rangers or maybe it was like Birmingham City or someone like that but yeah. someone came on the pitch and just started like punching the Aston Villa player Jack Grealish and it was That's really funny. like it caused a big like uh, stir within English soccer that um, that maybe their security was too lax because yeah. I mean, imagine if he had some sort of a weapon that would have been a really uh, bad scenario to have, and but that they've also moved away from the like impenetrable barrier around the pitch because there was a few like disasters where there would be stampedes and people couldn't get on. So yeah. you need to be able like to have well. fans. Yeah, like they need to be able to run onto the field if there's like something mm-hmm. going on in the stands, but you also don't want them to be able to run onto the field if they're trying to like do something bad. So yeah, yeah Aston embroiled in that controversy but um hopefully they'll put that behind them i think they've got a promotion playoff coming up yes i'm not derby county or leeds united one of the two it's yeah it's derby county Derby county all right it's interesting yeah uh moving on everton Ooh, everton uh i think i'm gonna have to go with mediocre <laughs> Because exactly what I, I mean, yeah, they they just sit around that uh, middle spot in the table. They sometimes get up into the Europa League, um, and the the thing with them is that they often have a really good squad. Like they've have they have players this season who've played well, um, like Lucas Digne, uh, maybe Richarlison and Gilfie Sigurdsson. But they always seem to have a problem somewhere along the line. Like, I remember in January, they just, like, started losing game after game. And that just derailed their season. And, I mean, at this point, they mostly cheer when Liverpool loses rather yeah, than when they win. I saw that. Yeah. So I mean, they're Merseyside rivals. They, were, they seem more concerned about Manchester City beating them out for the Premier League crown than them actually winning their games. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where they're happy to lose to Man City and then they snatch a draw away from Liverpool. And if you go back in the table and you go back in the results, if Liverpool had won that game, 
I f- believe they would have been I believe they would have been champions. Oh so, yeah. They only finished one point behind. So those yeah. two those two points might have put them over. Yeah. And so when Man City ended up winning the league, the Everton fans were super happy. They were <laughs> singing you lost the uh title at Goodison Park, which is their stadium. Yeah. I mean they were really happy that they were the ones that cost Liverpool that title. All right. Inter Milan. Ooh, Inter Milan. Uh, I would go with globalism because <laughs> I remember uh, their name, Internazionale, comes yeah. from the fact that a lot of fans back in the day were not happy that AC Milan would only like play with Italian players. Mm-hmm. And so there was a new club that was started, uh, Inter Milan, that would actually have international players in there so they really uh like push the game in that aspect all right um rangers ooh rangers i would probably go with uh redemption for them um cuz they were uh along with celtic one of the like unbeatable like one of the giants of scottish soccer yeah then they like fell into some trouble, I believe financial trouble. They got relegated to the second tier, but then they came back up. They've got Steven Gerrard as the coach now, I believe. Yeah. And they're, they weren't able to uh, take the title yet. And uh, frankly, they're still probably a couple years from being serious contenders for that, but they've shown that they can come back from their relegation and they've shown that they've actually been good this season. So they're on the road to that redemption. Very cool. Uh, yeah, Rangers and Celtic, they they have an extreme rivalry, the old firm, kind of like Ohio State, Michigan on steroids, I take it. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it's kind of sad for the sport when one of them gets relegated because imagine if Michigan went to Division Two and then you never had an Ohio State-Michigan rivalry game. That would – I mean, that would suck. Yes. But – yeah, so now that they're back, the old firm derby happens twice a year now. It's not just like you have to wait for a cup game to come along every few years. Scottish Cup or Scottish League Cup. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. story only to keep an eye on. All right, moving on, Fenerbahce. Fenerbahce. Uh, hmm. I would probably think about one of my favorite players, Robin Van Persie. RBP, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I wish anyone could adore an athlete as much as Maxwell adored RVP during middle school. Bro, I love this guy. I mean, I think it was more like freshman and sophomore year high school because I watched him in the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, he was not very good on Manchester United when uh, David Moyes was the coach when, I mean, none of them were very good. But – so the year after that, I think he stayed on that year uh, after the World Cup, after they were in seventh. But he was at that point, he was kind of declining. He was at the tail end of his career. So Man United chucked him out to Fenerbahce. And, you know, he played there. He did well, uh, scored a bunch of goals. And yeah. when Fenerbahce played Man United in the Europa League, he, uh, Robin Van Persie came back to Old Trafford, scored on Man United, and got an ovation from his old fans. And, I mean, the game was 4-1, so it didn't matter at that point. He was just there to 
uh, see his old fans again. Yeah. And then, I mean, this it's not as relevant after this, but uh, the second game they played at Fenerbahce, I think it might have been a draw or a Fenerbahce win, but, I mean, the first goal was an incredible bicycle kick, so I, I still remember that more than the score of that. All right, moving on to Newcastle United. Ooh, Newcastle. Um, I think I'll go with... They were good. In, they were really good in the nineties, weren't they? Yeah, with Alan Shearer. But I'm gonna go with, uh, ooh, I'm gonna go with uh, ownership because their owner Mike Ashley, a really, like, I'm not sure what he like, what industry he's in, but he's like a billionaire, a really, I mean, like, he owns the club, and so I mean, maybe a lot of American fans wouldn't really. Uh, like recognize the way a lot of European clubs are run. It's usually like a person or an investment group or something like that straight up owns the club and they're responsible for like giving the money to like pay transfer fees and yeah. all the other costs. And so it's very unique um, from say how like MLB or NBA teams are run. Yeah. I mean, like even though, even though like NBA teams, they have an owner, it's not like the owner is like paying for all this. So like if the owner of Newcastle doesn't want to spend any money, it's because that's essentially his money that if he actually like cared about the club, he would be like spending that money to try to improve what is essentially his asset. But the fans of Newcastle really hate Mike Ashley because he just doesn't spend any money. And they've got the world-class coach Rafa Benitez there. And they did sign uh, Miguel Almiron for a record fee. So maybe things are changing, but um, for years now, the Newcastle fans have just been on the train trying to get rid of Mike Ashley. And yeah. I mean, they need to because how lo- how much longer is Rafa Benitez going to stay at, at a club where he basically has no say in what players come in and out? Yeah. All right. I think I, I bit off a little bit more than I can chew. So we'll do a few more so we have time to get to our next discussion. Maybe we'll do three or four more. All right, Red Star Belgrade. Oh, Red Star Belgrade. I'm going to go with throwback. Because, <laughs> I mean, they're one of the teams. Yugoslavia. Yeah, a Yugoslavian team. I mean, not anymore, obviously. But, um, yeah, they were one of the first teams to actually win the Champions League. Or maybe they were the last team to win the old Champions League. I'm not sure, but um, but yeah, they were. They used to be incredible, like yeah. a lot of the uh, Eastern European teams. But uh, at this point, they're probably in a low point in their history right now. But they did get to the Champions League again this year, and they they made themselves proud. They beat Liverpool two zero in the group wow. stage. It's that's impressive. That's kind of an upset, isn't it? Yeah, but unfortunately, their group was PSG, Liverpool, and Napoli. So, you know, they they put up a really good fight, and they did better than you would have expected. But they still finished fourth, so they got nothing out of that. But yeah, it's it's cool to see them back in the Champions League after having yeah, been one of the giants in their those throwback kind of teams like the Stua Bucharest or uh, 
you know, like yeah, Warsaw's. I like to see unorthodox countries in the making noise in the Champions League. That's why I I oppose uh, UEFA's proposal to have twenty four teams have a permanent seat in the Champions League. I think it would be equivalent to teams like if they said that half the teams in the NCAA tournament were set every year. I think it'd be the equivalent of that. I think uh, yeah. that it's. I think it's a disservice both to uh, teams like like mid-table English teams like the Evertons or Watfords that may jump up and have a really good year now and again, and uh, teams from unorthodox nations like and Rapid Vienna's and Red Star Belgrades. Yeah, yeah, and I think UEFA in the past had, like, switched up their um, formulas for how they would put teams in, yeah. and I think they came up with – what they came up with wasn't – perfect in that they would often put one team from like the Balkans or like somewhere obscure in terms of soccer is concerned and they would have that that look at it and you you would say six games yeah. because it would just be such an obscure team but like at the same time you want to have all these teams that come into the tournament and they come to play like they're not here to just just be there. They're going to actually put up a fight. Like teams like uh, Red Star this year, Young Boys made some noise. Uh, they beat Juventus. What a, what a great <laughs> name. Yeah. Uh, we got to see Young Boys play against Newell's Old Boys at yes, some point. That should be somebody, – somebody needs to make that happen. Yeah. All right. But, all right, go ahead. What were you, what were you saying? You finish. Uh, I was just going to say that we got to have more teams uh, in the Champions League because who knows? What if, like, imagine if Ajax had gotten screwed over by UEFA's new uh, formula. We wouldn't have had that Cinderella story this year. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Let's move on to Porto. Ooh, Porto. I'm going to go with Jose, who... Is Jose Mourinho yes, running down the line after they scored the goal in the yeah. Champions League? Yeah, the Jose, the special <laughs> one, who won his first Champions League title at Porto, which is an incredible achievement mm-hmm. in and of itself. Um, I think Samuel Eto, legendary forward, once said um, he was asked to compare Mourinho and Guardiola. And he said, um, what can I say? One of them couldn't win the Champions League with Bayern Munich and Man City. One of them won it with FC Porto. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe a little bit disrespectful to Porto. They're a good club in and of themselves. But, um, yeah, they, they're, they're one of the teams that created Jose. And, I mean, the Portuguese league in general uh, at this point is considered somewhat of a feeder league. The yeah. players come up from that league and they just leave and go somewhere else and make their name. Yeah, like, notably, like Ronaldo, a coach. Yeah, notably Cristiano Ronaldo. Sporting CP, right? Yeah. A greasy-haired teenager yeah. signed to Man United, and that's where he actually fulfilled his uh, potential and then on to Real Madrid. But he came out of that Portuguese league. All right. We'll do... Three more, and we'll start with AC Milan. Okay, AC Milan. 
Uh, I got to go with uh, Glory Days. They definitely had theirs. <laughs> they were probably the best team. I mean, they were definitely the best team in Europe for a good amount of time, oh, yeah. uh, particularly in the 90s. And that golden era probably extended all the way up into the 2000s. But it is very much over right now yes. as I'm pretty sure they failed to qualify for the Champions League again. And I mean, Atalanta will be in the Champions League, not AC Milan. That's hilarious to me. Atalanta, that's, that's yeah. an obscure name. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a team where half the English-speaking population looks at it, sees Atlanta, yeah. doesn't look at it again. But yeah, so AC Milan in the 90s, they had incredible players at that club, like um, Gattuso, Seydorf, uh Crespo is a little bit more recent, Rossi. So they had some of the, like at this point, they're probably not as well known, but they were probably the best players in the world at that time. Yeah. And Italian, the Italian league was the best league at that time too. I mean, you look down the rosters of all the teams in the nineties in Italy. I mean, Zico was on Udinese. So wow. it gives you an oh, idea of how big, good that league was. Zico is a big name, isn't he? From Yeah. He's, yeah. He's one of those players. It's like you ask Brazilians what their favorite like who their favorite Brazilian number 10 was. A lot will say Pele, a lot will say Zico. So, yeah. I mean, Maradona's in that league, Zico. I mean, any big name from the 90s was probably in Italy at some point in their career. Yeah, I get that. Impression. Even Dennis Bergkamp on Juventus, I think, right? Uh, he was on Inter, I think. Yeah, whoever, whoever you had on FIFA 96. Yes, and Alexi Wallace the, somehow got to make a name for himself with Padova. Yeah. All right. Yeah, the big names make their name in Italy at that point. Yes. All right, two more. PSV. PSV. Ooh. Uh, not too sure about that. I think I would say like shadow because they're probably in the shadow of Ajax yeah. for a long time in the Netherlands. You know, in a time when Ajax were winning three straight European Cups. Yes. Maybe, uh, maybe the best team of all time. In- yeah. And yeah, so PSV probably was in their shadow for a long time, but they've come out of it recently. I think they've won like four straight Dutch titles. They've lost this last year but yeah they are. they've actually become i mean that you would say that they're probably for the last few years they were managed better they were run better than ix and ix has just gotten better with their new coach but yeah psv very much in the shadow of ix for a long time yes but they also have a european cup yeah. of their own in 1988 yeah so i feel like the dutch the dutch like the italians used to have a league that was uh, really good, really competitive, but they've lost their way a little, and they're a little bit like a feeder league, just like Portugal that we talked about. Yeah. And, I mean, if you look at the um, important players, like from the Netherlands, even from Belgium, even from a lot of other countries, a lot of them come through Ajax, a lot of them come through PSV. So... 
Yeah, they're they're still a team that produces talent, but uh, in the past few years, they've actually been able to use it on the field as well. Yeah. All right, last but not least, a team I know that you have strong feelings about, Juventus. Oh, Juventus. Uh, I want to go with Calciopoli. Oh, yeah. Which, if people don't know, is a great, um, a very influential uh, scandal within Italian soccer. Mm-hmm. There was match fixing, referee influencing scandal. Yeah, so they basically just like paid referees uh, to influence games, and it's just a lot of match fixing. It was them. Uh, I believe AC Milan is involved, and what happened was. They ended up winning two league titles that were stripped, and then they were relegated down to Serie B, the second tier. And didn't they have to play games behind closed doors too? I think so. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a big tool used to uh, take away some money as well. But yeah, they basically just docked a whole bunch of points off of their like league total, and I believe also AC Milan's. And a few other clubs. Yes. So then, I mean, a lot of big name players were there at that time too. Like Zlatan Ibrahimovic was on Juventus for those two years. Wow. He wasn't there when they were relegated anymore. But a lot of players, once they were relegated, they jumped ship right away. A lot of players stayed on. Obviously, they were still incredible and they won promotion the very next year. But, but yeah, they. It's a, one of the examples of corruption in the sport. And, I mean, it was actually punished. Yeah. So, that's also good. And that's an ongoing storyline in FIFA, obviously, these last few years. Yeah. Thank you for that portion. That was actually very informative about several soccer clubs. And now we will conclude by discussing the classic game NBA Jam. Ooh, of course. Yeah. Now, Maxwell, tell them about – tell the audience about your favorite team to play with in NBA Jam. Ooh. Um, I would have to say that it's probably Denver with Matumbo. Um, I think Orlando comes close, but just to play with Matumbo yes. is so much fun. Ladies, I mean, ladies and gentlemen, when Maxwell plays with the Nuggets in NBA Jam – you know what? There's two people on an NBA Jam team. When he plays with the Nuggets, only one of them touches the ball ever. All right? LaFon Zellis of the Nuggets. I mean, he's probably demanding a trade by now because Maxwell uses him so little with Mutombo. Yeah, I mean, he, he inbounds, and he sometimes gets the ball if he's, if he's willing to work hard and play defense, which, I mean, I don't control his defense, so it's up to him. <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do not pass to Ellis. I run through the court and I dunk on every play. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's similar with Orlando, but Anderson is just not the same as Mutombo. Yes, there is only one Mutombo. Yeah. So yes, our NBA Jam games—they are legendary, but usually lopsided in favor of Maxwell, who is. <laughs> A phenomenal NBA Jam player. You know, Patrick, I I tell you not to shoot threes because I'll just block them every time, and you keep shooting them. I cannot believe and that's why 
I cannot believe you are not called for goaltending more often. Bro, you just got to play the game. You got to understand that NBA Jam is not the same as basketball. There are different rules. <sighs> no, you, I, think you, I think you have engaged in Calciopoli. You have selected favorable referees. I don't think there are referees. Yeah, they're bad ones. They're bad ones. Have you ever, wait, is there even a referee, like, on the – There's no referee in the game. <laughs> yes. All right, Maxwell. Oh, I'm going to take the day off. Yes. Every day is a day off for them. I, th- I think the, the union didn't want to get involved. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming on tonight, Maxwell. All right. Uh, it was a pleasure discussing the finer points of mostly soccer and basketball today. Patrick, I've got a game for you. I want to see if you can guess these lower league English teams. Which is an English lower league soccer team and which is a name that I just generated on the fantasy name generator website? Oh, I love this. This will be our game for the road. All right. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So, first one. Norbury Football Club. You think that's real or fake? Fake. Ah, very clever. That is, in fact, fake. But I'm looking down this list, and this thing's generated Middlesbrough, which is a real team. So (laughs) we might have some errors going down the line here. Uh, Next one. Stathmore FC. Uh, That is fake. All right. Yeah. So let me see here. Keep going. Give me three more. Walton Casuals. Fake. No, that is oh, real. I, the ca- Casuals? Cast- yeah, they're called Walton Casuals. Oh, my God. Like as a casual <laughs> Friday? Yeah, exactly. Oh That's hilarious. All right. Two more. Two yeah. more. All right. Um, Kids Grove Athletic. Real. That is yes, real. The athletic tipped me off, like Charlton Athletic. Mm. All right. All right. Uh, last but not least, Markle's Field Wanderers. Fake. That is fake. Yes. But again, this, this thing's giving me Rochdale and Aston, so... You know, hopefully there's no real Markle's Field Wanderers and we haven't yes. just offended gonna, them. And I'm going to get a copyright lawsuit in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Barristers. All right. Uh, yes. Thank you for coming on, Maxwell. All right. Well, thank you for having me, Patrick. It's been a, it's been a great hour yes. here. And remember to kiss your poster of Robin Van Persie before bed. Uh, of course. Yes. What a legend. All right. Yes. We'll see you next week here on Sporting Soul. Uh, we're going to have my good friend Daniel Klein in here to discuss college football and the renaissance of the Cleveland Browns. Uh, have a good weekend, everybody. So long, Maxwell. So long, Patrick.